0: If you've ever talked with my next guest for more than a minute, you'll know he's deeply passionate about theater. Randy West is the new supervisor for the Farmington Civic Center. Randy's been around the block when it comes to professional theater. He's worked with musical theater icons like Stephen Sondheim, George Firth, and Hal Prince. Randy also founded the Stephen Sondheim Center for the Performing Arts at the Fairfield Arts and Convention Center in Fairfield, Iowa. And now he's here in Farmington with the goal to open a professional musical theater company under the Civic Center. This will employ local actors and musicians to present professional music theater performances at the Civic Center and the Lions Wilderness Park Amphitheater. Our little city has big plans for the entire region. Actions are being taken to make those plans a reality and Randy plays a part in those plans. Exciting things are happening here, folks. I'm gonna chat with Randy for a few minutes to see what led him to choose to bring his entire talented family to Farmington. Wanna see how it goes? Come along for the ride in Ken's Think Tank. Ken's Think Tank is made possible by the following sponsors. Trattoria De Bernardoni is Farmington's authentic Italian restaurant. Rooted deep in Italian history, the Bernardoni family treats your family to food that loves you back. Drop in and tell them Ken sent you. You'll be glad you did. From the moment you walk into the cave men's grooming, you understand this is no average barbershop. This is a place for men and their grooming needs. In a world full of guys be a man. Drop by the Cavemen's Grooming and join the revolution. 505 Motorsports in Farmington is awesome. They sell vehicles of all makes and models as well as four wheelers, motorcycles, boats, RVs and more. They even offer in-house financing and co-assignment.
1: You are not from here. I am not, I am. I was born and raised in Southern California I was born in a small agricultural town called Hemet, so I was raised in a baseball family and I played baseball And in this little agricultural town yeah. and it happened to just have the arts were really strong in, in our school district and my mom had been a dance major in college and uh, my dad was a good enough athlete that sometimes my mom would make my dad partner my mom and he could do that. And so he was a terrific athlete, but he had no arts prejudice like some athletes. Sure. Because my mom was a dancer. So he didn't grow up thinking that people in the arts were weird. Right. And um, so when in eighth grade they came in looking for little boys to be in a local production of the New Music Man, my best friend, we were both drummers, yeah. my best friend said, I'll do it if you'll do it. And so we went in, and then they found out that both of us could sing, <laughs> so they put us in the ensemble as, you know, just town kids. Right. So we did more than the other kids. The other kids were just in the band at the end. Yeah. We we did that too, but we did uh, we were kids in all the ensemble stuff. And I came home at the end of Music Man, and said to my parents that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. And uh, I talked to my parents, and they both said, "Well, if if this makes you happy, so." Good old Norm, God bless him, he sent three kids to college wow. and all three of us got degrees in theater. Really? And uh, and at one point, I was really, really lucky in my early career. My career just took off. I was hired by the University of Redlands to stay and teach the um, musical theater classes. So I went from going to college to teaching college. Okay. And, uh, my, and, and the guy that taught me how to direct went to Fullerton and basically, he was very popular. His name's Gary Crinky. He still directs a ton. And uh, Gary would just say to people that were trying to hire him, that um, I'm busy. But if you can't hire me, you know, if you like what I do, call Randy West, and he would give him my number. So I was just directing all the time when wow. I was young, and I did that for three years. And then I got offered a. Uh, they did a national search, and I got offered the job as the um, uh, theater coordinator for the city of Phoenix. And I, I did five years at uh, in Phoenix, and when I was there, so a group of my kids that, that I had had two or three years before went to New York to see shows. And while they were in New York seeing shows, they took it upon themselves to contact Stephen Sondheim's office. Yeah. And when I taught college musical theater, I taught Steve Sondheim like he was, Iconic because if you're studying contemporary musical theater, right? I mean, Steve started by writing the lyrics to West Side Story right. in '59, and then he stayed in musical theater. But you get to the '70s, and he wrote the music and the lyrics to Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, right. Pacific Overture, Sweeney Todd. I mean, he really defined contemporary musical theater. He really did. Yeah. And so I, I had taught that, and uh, and if you if you were in a class of mine, I just today, as a matter of fact. Uh, was out at the at the uh, San Juan doing their encore brown bag program, and they asked me to come in and talk about musical of musicals, and uh, which is spoofs five different styles of musical theater, including Stephen Sondheim. And I would bet you those room of people that I just talked to walked away knowing that I hold musical theater in high esteem, but. Steve still holds a really high place, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, so he said, that these these three students said that when they were in college, there was this uh, assistant professor who burned incense at his altar, and that I was moving to um, a place where nobody knew me. <laughs> and could Steve do something for my uh, birthday? And then on my birthday, he called me. Yeah. And I picked up the phone and he, he said, hello, can I speak to Randy West? I said, this is Randy. He said, hi, Randy, this is Steve Sondheim. And I said, I can't make up a reason why you would call me. And he said, well, it's your birthday. I said, no, I get the birthday part. It's the Steve Sondheim thing that I can't quite sort out. And he said, well, three of your students called me when they were in New York, and they said that when you taught contemporary musical theater, you taught my work as if it was uh, significant. And I said, it's beyond significant. It defines contemporary musical theater to me. And he said, well, that's worth a phone call. And, uh, and I said that I wanted to bring cont- his more contemporary work to Arizona. I mean, they'd done West Side Story, and I think they'd done Company. But during the next five years, I did the Arizona premiere of uh, Merrily We Roll Along. I did the Arizona premiere of Sweeney Todd. I did the Arizona premiere of um, Follies. And when I did Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, uh, he negotiated for me to get those numbers. That later were put in for Nathan Lane when he did the revival. I actually had him in Phoenix, so he yeah. gave me little things to make my Sondheim project special. Right, and he was available anytime I had a question to answer a question. And then as I was going into my fifth year, I was doing an all premiere season, and I had already done the original version of Merrily, but Merrily only played eleven shows performances on Broadway and closed and it broke up the collaboration between Hal Prince and Steve Sondheim. They stayed friends, but they stopped working together. Right. Then Hal Prince went on and uh, directed Vita for uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, and then directed Fanner the Opera, which is still playing for uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. So Hal Prince landed on his feet going, <laughs> to, going to Andrew Lloyd Webber. And so uh, uh, Steve started collaborating with James Lapine at that point. And, uh, and while they were working together, George got a hold of them and said, you know, I really don't want to give up on Merrily. And so James Lapine and Steve and George went to the La Jolla Playhouse and did a new version of Merrily where uh, they used older talent and it worked better. And and rewrote some of the script and created a new version. Well, I was doing this all premiere season of Merrily, so nothing ventured, nothing gained. I got a hold of Steve and said, is there any way that I can do this new version of Merrily, because it would be a premiere." And he said, well, I, I have come to know you well enough that I'm okay with sending you my personal music manuscripts, but you need to get a hold of George Firth and see if it's okay to do the new book. Right. And here's George's home phone number, <laughs> which was just incredible to me, because you have to remember three years, you know, four, four or five years before that. I was teaching these guys to college kids, right. and now I'm calling them on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little surreal. and uh, So I called George and I told him what we were doing, and and we went back and forth for about two weeks. And then finally, I think Steve called me and said, we've decided that you could do the new version of Merrily if you let George and I do it with you and you make it the next workshop production so it advances the project. And I said, well, of course I would do that. And I said, that's crazy. I said, you know, this is not, this is not New York, this is not Los Angeles, we're sitting out in the middle of the desert yeah. in Phoenix. And Steve said, you can do the project if you can make me one promise. Yeah. And I said, okay, what is that? He said, you need to promise that the creative process is the most important thing to you. Oh, and nice, I said, yeah. I can make that promise right now. Yeah. I said, it's always been. Yeah. So six months before I was supposed to direct Merrily, I get a phone call from George And he said, aren't you directing Merrily in six months? And I said, well, I think so, why? And he said, well, when can you be in Hollywood? And I said, when do you want me? And he said, how about Monday? And I said, okay. And he gave me directions, Monday at nine o'clock, I was at George's house. He took me in, he got me coffee, we went down to his study. He had the New York script of Merrily on one side of his computer. He had the La Jolla version of Merrily on the other side. And he typed, Merrily, we roll along, act one, scene one. And he turned to me and said what do you think <laughs> and uh i said i think it's your play, sir i'm, I'm happy to help in any way you want but uh, I, I i certainly would not presume myself as somebody that could write your play and he and he started writing and he said what do you think about this well if we take this from here and this from here and george if george was anything he was prolific i mean he could just write Stuff would just flow out of him, right? And occasionally, you know, I would say I would suggest a line, and it would get in there, and uh, and then we would we would write so much, and then we would call Steve, and we would read it over the phone, or we would send it to him, and then he would give us notes. And it the Hal Prince formula was that the director got to be the third collaborator in the creative process. So I got to be in part of that for six months. Yeah. and I learned more about musical theater and oh, I, and, and particularly new work I mean how new work is adjusted yeah you know I would say well you can't do that because of this and they would say but can't we just change that and I said well you wrote the play you can change anything you want <laughs> I'm just saying if you change this you need to change that right at the end of my doing merrily um, it was a successful project and uh, <laughs> I'd just done five years as the theater coordinator for um, the city of Phoenix and Steve had worked with me for six months and we just finished a successful project. And Steve said, You know, Randy, you have become a very big fish in an Arizona pond. And I think you need to get in a bigger market. Yeah. That you're ready to move up. And I said, Well, like where? And he said, Well, maybe San Francisco. <laughs> I just quit my job and I moved to San Francisco. And Steve called five or six theaters up there that were terrific theaters. And Steve Sondheim is huge in San Francisco. And he called these theaters and everybody knew who he was. And he called the artistic director and he said, I'm sending you a director. You should hire him. And so I had artistic directors calling me. And well, last year at the Tony's Theater Works won the Tony as the best regional theater. Uh, Robert Kelly is the artistic director there. He called me and said, what do you want to direct? And I said, anything you want me to? Yeah. And, uh, but it gave me a career. It started me in San Francisco. I was the go-to guy for contemporary musical theater and Sondheim. And then Steve also said, if you're doing new work, Randy is really good at working with composers, lyricists, and playwrights. Which, of course, was very sweet of him. But Merrily was the first time I had worked with a yeah. lyricist, playwright, or, or, or a, um, a composer. Right. And so uh, I got suddenly a lot of new work and I was working a lot in San Francisco but meanwhile my agent called and said "Um, uh, there's a medium-sized television production house that's looking for a head of production do you want me to submit you? and I said look I'm not willing to give up professional theater to do television but I'm willing to do television in order to be able to afford to do professional theater, so if you'll let me do both, I'll I'll do television happily for you. Yeah, and so that was the deal we cut. Nine years later, when I left, I was the uh, executive vice president, general manager, creative director, and and I had a pretty good reel, and uh, and that television company moved down to Hollywood, and we we lasted three years before we got eaten like a guppy by a great white shark. <laughs> Uh, but I did the whole Hollywood thing for three years. Yeah. So I I did pickup work for a couple of years, and in the uh, year I guess, and then um, a company that I'd heard of in Fairfield, Iowa, ran an ad in the Hollywood Reporter for a creative director, and it was Hawthorne Direct, run by Tim Hawthorne. Uh, when we got there, uh, Mar- I was I was hired originally as creative director. Six months later, they made me vice president, creative director. Uh, in the middle of that. Um, in Fairfield, they built the Fairfield Arts and Convention Center, Okay. and uh, for two years they asked me to be on the board because I had a theater background. So whenever I was in town, I went to board meetings, and then six months before they were going to open the meeting, open the building, they had a meeting with an expert that came in and said six months ago, you should have hired an executive director because you have a building to open in six months. So they called me and said, is there any way that you'd be the executive director and open the building? and then also found a professional musical theater company in the theater that would be the residential company. And I said, we'll have to ask Tim. And Tim Hawthorne said, you know, you're really good at selling stuff on uh, television, but everybody knows that your love is in the performing arts and, and Fairfield, you know, needs this performing arts center. I think you need to go there and do this. And I said, it means a lot to me. He said, will you hang around until I can hire a creative director? I said, absolutely. So I did both jobs for a while and then moved to the, I I, I did manage the building and then turned it over to a, an executive director that did the building. And I stayed with the musical theater company, which was called Way Off Broadway. Because let me tell you, if you're doing professional musical <laughs> theater in Iowa, you are way, <laughs> way off Broadway. Broadway. <laughs> and uh, in the middle of that, the naming committee came to me and asked me if I could ask Steve if we could name the building for him. So I asked him, and he said, well, what's your vision for the building? And I'd been going to those meetings for two years. I knew everything about the building. We'd never had one meeting on the vision.
0: right? (laughs) But I
1: knew what mattered to Steve. So I said, well, we're going to uh, have a program in new work. We're gonna gonna support the the development of new musicals. We're gonna have an intern professional um, program where we're gonna teach professional musical theater skills to young people and we're gonna try to become a name in professional musical theater in the Midwest. And he said, well, if my name will help you do that, you can have my name. So that's how the Stephen Sondheim Center for the Performing Arts ended up in Fairfield, Iowa. Wow! We then Googled and found out we were the first uh, Sondheim sanctioned theater in the world. Really? Now there's one in New York and one in London, but the first one was in Fairfield. And uh, I, I ended up doing that for seven years until Gareth was about 12. And he said, am I destined to spend uh, all of my adult life in Iowa? <laughs> and I said, probably not. So I started looking around. I ended up spending about a minute and a half at a theater in Junction City, organizing it for the, the, the uh, city manager. And then I went down and opened a theater in Houston, and that took about a year. And then this theater that I just came from in Great Plains, the Great Plains Theater in Abilene, Kansas, hired me as their artistic director. And they hired Margaret as their education director, and then Margaret finally also became their uh, a- executive director. And William, our oldest son, they hired as the cinema manager because we were also the cinema. So all of us were employed there. I, I found out about this job, and I had a really good conversation with the assistant city manager and Shauna, who's the head of the department. Right. We just talked about all kinds of things. They they emailed me back and said, Randy, this position has come open, we'd like you, if you're interested to at least look into it, which was the uh, Civic Center supervisor. Right. And I looked at it and I sent them some more stuff, and then we had another great conversation. and uh, and, and I think I was the only one of the people they interviewed. That had run a facility and founded programs. Right. Because those don't usually go together. A facility person is kind of a facility person. Right. They kind of run buildings, and people that found and create things usually don't run buildings. Right. It's kind of left brain, right brain. Yeah. And I'm kind of ambi, ambi brained. Ambi brained. (laughs) And and so uh, we got to talking, and and, uh, they, Abilene was, it's really got some great tourism stuff going. But they can't seem to get all of that oriented on the same page, going in the same direction um, to really grow the town. Okay. All of that is existing, but kind of on their own. Right. And then uh, I ended up having a conversation with Farmington when they said, read this stuff. And it was about how the mayor and the city council and the city manager and all the people working have this vision that they've already started with outdoor adventure with Mm -hmm. the Jolt Your Journey. They're redoing the whole downtown to be fit for festivals and big activities. They're coming out of a renovation with the Civic Center and they wanna add that as a cultural component. And so here was this city sitting all prepped already in the middle of a plan that they were executing. And they said, if you came here, you could take this cog. Yeah. You could do this little component right. of, of this big thing. I was just really taken with the energy of the people. And um uh, and I went back to Margaret and Gareth and I both said, I think we need to seriously look at this. Yeah. And then we had more conversation and then they said, Well bring Margaret. Bring Margaret. And we came and and they met she met uh Julie and she met Natalie and she met Shauna, all these great people and a bunch of people from Parks and Rec and all the Parks and Rec and creative art affairs people. I mean, the people working for the city are terrific people. Yeah. And, uh, and we all met down through and, and I'll tell you, to this day, when Shauna talks to a new group and talks about my being hired and my coming here, Shauna always says that we didn't hire Randy, we brought his family to Farmington. Yeah. And that his wife does these kinds of things and his son does these kind of things and his older son does these kind of things. And and we are so happy to have them be, you know, melding into Farmington. And I, I always say that we've never felt more welcomed in an environment ever than we have in Farmington. I, I, I have never taken for granted what I get to do for a living. I mean, there are really talented people and I know a bunch of them that haven't been able to get it put together Mm -hmm. to do what they want to do right with their life. I mean, they're they're doing it on the side or they're doing it. Sure. I'm to be lucky enough to have it be the thing that you do. Right. But because of my father, I always fall back on a sports metaphor. You know, um, you have to be lucky enough to have them give you the ball but after you get the ball, you have to have done your prep and have done your work so that you do don't it, fumble right? it, that you, that you can run with the ball. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to be, be given the ball. And most of the time, I've been lucky enough to not fumble <laughs> to it, not fumble so it. <laughs> I, I, I've been very lucky in my career. And I'm surrounded by a whole family that, that, that makes my work. It's funny when, when, when I'm doing the Civic Center and, and, and little things come up, you know, and somebody will come up to me with something that's that's crucial, and it'll be a family thing. And I say, look, you know, Family trumps everything. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll figure a way to figure it out. Let's go. Let's go work through it. Yeah. And so, even though I'm passionate about what I do, I think it's it's a there's a balance in all of it. And I didn't have that when I was young. Yeah. I mean, that came to me later on in life, sure. and I'm so happy that that did come to me. And uh, and then to be surrounded by these people in Farmington, I mean, I go back to the fact that I'm a little cog in this whole big moving Farmington. But I will close by saying. I get, because of the way things are trying to go together, I get called into a lot of meetings. Yeah. And I have spent my career, I have been in so many meetings where the people in the meeting were trying to decide why something could not be done. Right. And I have been in multiple meetings in Farmington, which have involved the county and the city and commissioners and people. I was there because of the Civic Center. Sometimes Brent's there because it involves the film stuff. Right. But, but you're in that room and it's a whole room full of people that are all trying to figure out how can we do this. Right. And I, I, I don't know if you know this, but that is so rare to be in a, in a, in a, a, a motivated environment where people are saying, well, we could do this or maybe you could do that, but we will do this. And by the, now, I will be honest, in these meetings, the things that we're working on are not done yet. Everybody got assignments to go see if they could do their parts of them, but everybody went out with something they were trying to get done. To come back, rather than having a meeting that by the end of the meeting it's dead. Right. We we left a meeting with something alive that was going in a direction, and that's right. that's thrilling. I'll
0: tell you. It's ideas versus excuses.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Outstanding. Thank you. I'm really excited about, thank you. about the future.
1: Thank About so the much. now
0: and the future. Me so, too.
1: Outstanding.
0: Well, well, come see for on the show. Tonight. My pleasure. What I will be free. here all
1: the time. Thank you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I'll look for you. Perfect. I'll
1: look oh. for you. <laughs> you <laughs>